Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Romans, chapter 5. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Romans, please. Romans chapter 5. And Father, we do come before you again with thanksgiving and praise for all that you've done and all that you're doing in our lives, Lord. You are the one true living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You made these beautiful mountains that surround us, Lord. The valleys, the rivers, the oceans, all the living creatures. You, Lord, are the only God who made it all. And you made us, Lord, that we would turn our lives towards you and worship you and walk with you, Lord, as you had originally planned that we would. And so this morning, Lord, bless your word as we study it. Give us, Lord, uh, humble hearts to receive. Give us understanding to, to really hear your heart this morning. And Lord, change us, Lord. Help us to be different than when we first came in. And we just pray, Father, for this church to be healthy, a church that honors your word. Bless it now, Lord. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say amen. All right, so in Romans chapter 5... Um, we have been blessed in this book of doctrine that Paul is writing to the church at Rome, but also to the church everywhere and to us today. In this chapter, uh, we have learned thus far that uh, we have been justified by faith and that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Secondly, we learn that we glory uh, in tribulations because we know that trials strengthen our faith, they, they strengthen godly character, and, and so uh, we glory in those things knowing that the hardships we face are gonna produce in us to be stronger and better uh, men and women of God. Next, we learn that God's love has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so when we give our lives to Jesus, the miraculous happens. We know uh, for the first time just how much we are loved by our Creator and how special we are to Him. There's a supernatural injection of His Holy Spirit in which we are able to, for the first time, cry out Papa or Father or Abba and, and know that it's directly to our Creator and that He loves us. And so He has given us His Spirit, and thus hope does not disappoint. See, hope, uh, that expectation of good things are going to happen to us, that is a real thing. It doesn't disappoint because it's supernatural. God instills it in us, and as we walk with the Lord, our hope increases and our joy increases and our faith gets stronger. It's directly tied to our relationship with the Lord. Um, lastly, we learned that uh, what God's love looks like. Paul had been talking about God's love and how, you know, it's by faith in what Jesus did on the cross for us in a substitutionary death. There we go. For sinners. 
But he shows us what it actually looks like. And he says that uh, God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so while we were still being sinful, while we were stuck in our sin and had no care for God at all, Christ died for us. And God loves us so much that if he went through that great length to save us, then there's no way that he's going to leave us uh, abandoned. There's no way that he's going to leave you and I alone to our trials and to our hardships, but rather the proof that uh, of his love shows that he will always be there for us and that he will save us for the, from the wrath to come. And it is coming upon a Christ-rejecting world. The wrath of God is coming, and he's going to judge the world. Those who reject Christ will not see life, but those who believe in him have eternal life. And so if he went through that trouble to save us by his death, he's going to save us from the wrath of God. And so just a beautiful description of what the Christian has by faith in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so we begin in verse 12 this morning. Paul says, therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. And so here he mentions that uh, uh, sin entered the world, death and sin through one man, speaking of the first man, which is Adam. And I think it's a brilliant way in how God helps us to understand our salvation more through Christ by understanding that the world is in a fallen state and that it, it all began because one man's sin, which was the first man. So if we're going to understand our salvation better, we have to understand why we even need a Savior. And we need a Savior because the original man who represents us all. Adam was the first one ever created. He represents us all, and so his sin is what led to really the, the death of this world, spiritually and, and even physically. And so we see today that the world is still spinning out of control in wickedness, all because the original sin. And because of that sin, we need a Savior. And so the answer, kids, when people ask you, well, if God is such a God of love, why is there evil happening all over the world every day? You read the headlines and they're terrifying, they're heartbreaking, um, they're, they're just so shameful, the wicked that goes on every day. And the answer why those things happen is because man sinned originally in the garden. It is a fallen state. And God loves us, and he created all of us with free will. And Adam and Eve, he created them to have free will, and they chose to do bad. And thus, sin entered the world. But thanks be to God, through Jesus, he turns all of that around. First, it, individually with people by faith. And so it's a beautiful uh, type that is going to be shown here by Paul to help us explain just how wonderful Christ is in comparison to Adam's failure. And Adam is a type of Christ in the sense that as Jesus' action on the cross, his death and resurrection, his life, his preaching, his truth, that has changed the world. Has it not? What he did on the cross gave 
mankind an opportunity to be saved. It is, it changed the universe. And so Adam, in his decision, as the first man representative of the human race, because he was the first, his sin, he, he represents all of us. And so there are some who say, well, that's not fair. If I was in the garden, I would stay away from the forbidden fruit or whatever. But that's not true. You see, all of us in solidarity, in, I got, you know what I mean? In solidarity, we all uh, are in agreement with Adam because we were made from the same stuff. And all of us have sinned. We have sinned. And thus, Adam actually is a perfect representative of mankind. He did what all of us probably would have done. You see, that's the reality of, of all of us. And so we have a beautiful, he's a type of, of, of Christ in a sense, but in a negative sense. And, and Christ in a positive sense concerning um, Adam. It says, therefore, um, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, and thus death, death spread to all men because all sin. And I want to take you to the fall. I want to summarize the fall of man. And I'm glad that the, that the youth are in here. I know you know it, but it's a good reminder for all of us. But you know that in First Genesis God created the heavens and the earth, right, in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. And he also created man from the dust. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 18, it says that then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so, as you know, the garden was amazing and beautiful. All things were right with the world. Adam had a relationship with God, walked with him in the cool of the day. Um, but in that garden there was a prohibition god said you can eat of all the trees in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represented adam's opportunity to disobey the lord that's what it represented right how did adam know how to do good and how to do bad god taught him god taught him all things he had this beautiful tight relationship with the Lord but the opportunity to self-govern was represented in that tree so rather than have a close relationship with God where God speaks to your heart on what is right and what is good and righteous and what is bad and what to stay away from that's the opportunity to live for yourself for you to tell yourself what is good and what is bad and what is righteous and and what is evil and so you see, because of the fall, the way the world is. The world basically is self-governing themselves. They don't want that man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to lord over them. They want to do what they seem is right, and everyone is doing what they seem right in their own eyes. That is the state of the fallen world, uh, my 
brothers and sisters, you young folks that are here today, you have an answer for them who say then why if God is good is evil happening because God honors the, the righteous choice, the, the, God honors the choice of the people. But if justice is what they're looking for, they need to watch out because justice is coming to them in the form of God's judgment. Those who say, well, you know, point fingers at God, like why does he allow this and why does he allow that? Say to them, is it justice that you want? Have you ever lusted at a woman? Have you ever lusted at a man? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever, have you ever cheated anybody? You see, everyone is condemned when they say, why is God not handling, uh, judging the evil? Trust me, he is going to. It's on his schedule to do so. However, you tell your friends who ask you, why does a good God allow evil? You tell them because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He is patient with you, my friend, and wants you to repent and give his life to you. Because when his judgment comes on the wicked, that thing that you're concerned about, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to go right with them. So the, knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that represents self-governance but we want to be governed by God because we already tried to live our lives for ourselves and it almost destroyed us into eternal damnation. No more are we going to live for ourselves. No more. We don't want the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Jesus, you teach us. You are the word made flesh. You teach us what is right and what is wrong. And your spirit is in our heart directing us. And that is why Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That is the proof that we love him. We do what he says. And so Adam had a choice. Love God back. Don't eat of that tree. Or go ahead and eat and prove that you don't really love him. Love, in order to be sincere, must be proven. Must be proven. Love is a verb. It's an action word. It's not, oh, I love you, Lord. I love Jesus. But you don't do what he says. We want to do what he says and prove it, right? That's why when we witness or share to the world the things of God, it's not our opinion that matters, it's his word. It's not what I think is good or bad, it's what, what does God say about that sin? And everyone wants to know, you know, what does God say about these things? And just tell them, tell them through his word. Because if we think that we know what's good or bad without God, we're basically insinuating that we don't need God. And so God put Adam in a deep sleep, as you know, after he warned him about the tree. And he took one of the, his ribs out and created the first woman and brought her to Adam. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now turn with me in Genesis chapter 3, please, for the rest of this, this part. Genesis chapter 3. And give me an amen once you are there. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, 
But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. And so we see here Satan deceiving Eve. And he begins his deception by questioning the word of God. Has God indeed said? And that is the first temptation in the Bible, and that is... That is how Satan continues to deceive the world by questioning the validity, the truth, and the power of God's word. Has God indeed said? And so the world out there, who the Bible says those who are in the world are under the sway or the influence of the devil, the Bible refers to Satan as the one who deceived the nations. So the world is blinded by the kingdom of darkness. And they're, they're blinded because they, they, have belie- they have accepted and have rather wanted to believe that what God says is not necessarily true. And they reject God's word because they want to live for themselves. Right? If, if people want to live for themselves, they have to reject God's truth. But God's truth is wonderful, it's beautiful, but that's how he, he came. He came questioning the word of God. And again, we're in times where we need to be conscious of the importance of the word of God like never before, because it was promised, it was warned to us that in the last days, men are not gonna put up with the word of God. They're not gonna wanna listen to solid doctrine. Instead, they're gonna actually build up churches from the ground up. We're talking buying property, building a church, putting a pastor in place, uh, bringing people with any means that they can into buildings where they are not going to uphold the word of God. Rather, they're going to give them seeker-friendly fun messages, not talk about the cross, not talk about sin, not talk about uh, uh, repentance. It's just all be the best you rather than what Jesus said, whoever desires to come after me, may he deny himself, take up his cross and follow him daily. Rather than, than speak, preaching and teaching biblical truth, which means Dying to self-will, self-governance, and surrendering our, our lives to Jesus because he's good and because God's going to do an amazing work in our life. And he does better with his creation than we do. We become children at that point. But the, wor- the world is doing away with the word of God. And so we have to be conscious. We have to, in a practical sense, in your life, at home, at play, wherever you're at, and the things that you deal with on a daily basis, let the word of God direct your path. Don't compromise the word of God. It, 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 your, your life depends on it. Whether there's going to be a blessing for you that day or not, it depends on your response to the truth of his word. We should be a people that are willing to do what God's word says to our detriment. That means if no one else follows, that means if family or friends or spouses will not follow his word, we still will follow his word. That means if a pastor or a church will not adhere to the word of God, we will find a church that does. Our our dedication, our loyalty must be to the word of God. And there are many who say, I would, but my spouse isn't into it, so I will not. 
There are many kids, there are many who say, well, my parents aren't there for me. They don't love me. They're not around. They, they live a, a, a wrong life. They want nothing to do with God. So I'm not going to. You have a choice. You can say, no, that's fine. God's my mom and dad and God will see me through. And that's the thing about God's word. You cannot compromise. The Bible says that, that if there's a non-believing spouse who will not, you know, is um, not into the Lord, live with them if they're cool with you. If they were willing to live in peace with you and let you serve the Lord and let you live for Christ, then live at peace with them. But if they won't, stand up to that. Stand up to that. God's not asking our spouse's permission whether or not we can serve the Lord. Our lives belong to Jesus. Clarissa loves me and I love my wife, but I, but I know she loves Jesus more than me. She needs to love Jesus more than her spouse. She needs to love Jesus more than her children because the word of God calls it. And Jesus says there's a blessing for that. If you honor the word of God, it's what's best for a family. It is what's best. And too many people within their own lives practically have just kind of, oh, well, it doesn't apply or it applies, but I'll just ignore it. I'll ignore it because I don't want to deal with the fighting or the friction or the conflict. Not all conflict is bad, my friends. Some conflict needs to happen. Oh, well, my husband don't want the kids or, or to go to church or my wife doesn't want the kids to get that involved with church. And what does that have to do with obedience to God? The demons tremble at the sight of our, of our Lord. They literally beg him. Not just one demon, all of them. Legions, they see Jesus, they tremble and they beg him, please don't cast us out into the abyss. So... God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. The kids will go to church with me. You know what I'm saying? Next, Satan. Right here in verse 4, it says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he says to Eve a half-truth, You will not surely die. That's a half-truth, right? When, they, when she eats, she doesn't die physically. She dies immediately spiritually. But Satan is, you know, playing around here. It's, it's how, it's, you don't, you're not going to die. In a sense, he was right, not physically. Satan speaks half-truths. In order to get Christians to do what he wants him, them to, him to do. It is good to be merciful. It is good to be compassionate and forgiving. And Satan will say, doesn't God, you know, when you're dealing with a sinful friend, a friend that's in sin, practicing sin, a brother, a sister, children, grandchildren, friends, you know they're in sin. You know they're doing wrong. But you don't want to say nothing because saying says, well, doesn't God say to be merciful? So you'd rather just say nothing because you're afraid of conflict. Let's be honest. You're afraid that they may not be your friend no more. You're afraid they may not come around anymore. The most merciful thing you can do to a friend is warn them of their sin. It's the most merciful and compassionate thing. Blessed are the wounds of a friend. 
Ezekiel 3, uh, verse 18, talks about if you see a righteous man faltering, you need to warn them of, of their ways, lest their sin be on your hands, their blood be on your hands. And you need to warn the wicked as well. There's just, but Satan comes along and, oh no, it's all passivism and it's all just love and grace and mercy. No, we're to speak the truth in love. We are to rebuke in love when a rebuke needs to happen. We need to stand up against, uh, you know, these half-truths. What is the whole truth? The Bible is the best commentary for the Bible. In the totality of the scriptures, what does God say about that thing that you, you are going through? What does it say to do? Then do that thing. He comes as an angel of light. And there, I, I've, I've seen it in the ministry. I've seen it in counseling sessions. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.